Welcome to the first season of Arise Esther, a podcast for today's Esthers, women who are ready to rise up in bold, courageous faith like Esther of old. She stepped up to lead when life was tough and hope was dim, but faith was fierce. Hi, I'm Dawn Scott Damon, your podcast host. I get to talk to some of the most resilient women on the planet. They've all tackled difficult life crises head-on and triumphed. And now we're here to help you do the same. So turn it up, Esther. This is your moment. Good to see everybody again today. My guest today is a multi-genre award-winning author. She is a speaker. She's a pastor's wife, so you know that's a strong woman, (laughs) and a mother. She's a regular contributor to iBelieve.com and Crosswalk.com, love both of those, and is a movie reviewer for Movie Guide magazine. She is also a literary agent for WordWise Media Services. And when not working, she enjoys sipping a Starbucks coffee, and who doesn't, right? Collecting 80s memorabilia, hmm, we'll have to ask her about that, and spending time with her family and her crazy dog, Cookie. For more information, you're going to be able to visit her website, but would you please welcome on Arise Esther, my guest today, Michelle Lazurek. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, Dawn. Thanks so much for having me. You're so welcome. Thanks for coming on today. We love talking to all of our modern-day Esther's women who are living brave, bold lives, and you're certainly doing a lot of things. I'm curious, um, as you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, get going here, but you do a lot to help people. Here's our word of the 2020. You help people pivot in their life. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, and we're going to talk about that pivoting today. Uh, you know, first of all, thank you for having me, and thank you so much for being so gracious. I We've put off this interview for a couple months now, and yeah. I now I can see why. Oh, <laughs> really? Oh, good. I am coming out of a very tough season, and mm-hmm. so I think I can speak out of this more than pretty much anyone. So um, I think God has a lot to say to us in terms of how we can pivot uh, when things don't always go the way we think they're going to go. But uh, um, I've been a writer for uh, 12 years and uh, just celebrated three years as a literary agent. Uh, my agent actually hired me as a part of our literary agency. So kind of be a female Beautiful. voice to the to the, uh, to the agency. So I enjoy, enjoy a lot of what I do. Um, and at, of course, because of COVID, I can't do as much speaking as I'd like. But, uh, um, but yeah, I enjoy communicating God's word and whether it's written or spoken. And um, I love being honest and transparent with people and letting them know that life is not always sunshine and roses when we become Christians. Uh, sometimes the toughest life lessons come out of trial and difficulty. Um, right. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I've, I've been. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I just come out of it understanding God's mercies uh, in a new and fresh way. So yeah, beautifully uh, said. And you know what, now you have our curiosity peak. So you have to tell us what's the season that you've been living in? What, what's going on with Michelle? Um, well, I have come out of a very tough season, um, health wise. Um, I'd had some, uh, health related issues due to anxiety. And so this past winter, kind of my world kind of turned upside down mm-hmm. and I started having, I've, I've had anxiety my whole life. Um, but I just had some stressful situations where my anxiety was kind of going through the roof and it was kind of where I was having these panic attacks in rapid succession where I couldn't make them stop. 
and um, caused me to have to see a doctor and, and get some medication and all those kind of things that go along with self-care and, and knowing when you kind of hit your breaking point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was negatively impacting pretty much everything oh, yeah. in my life. Uh, my marriage was negatively impacted. My finances were negatively impacted. Like my world, there was nothing that my anxiety had not touched by that mm-hmm. point. And it was like, I was watching my world literally spiral out of control. And it's like, and the more I'd worry, the more it was like what they say about, you know, you sitting in a rocking chair and you're rocking, but you're going nowhere. Going it was nowhere. the same, it was the same thing. Like I would worry, but it never got me the results that I was looking for. Um, and so I just felt like everything was, uh, was just, I, I could not hold on to anything, no matter how hard I tried, no matter how hard I tried to control it, it just became more out of control. Mm-hmm. And so all I felt like I could do is just kind of sit in the corner, so like figuratively just sit in the corner and just cry and just like cower and just seek mm-hmm. Lord's yeah. help. And I remember just thinking like, what is happening? <laughs> how did I get here? You know, yep. Lord, what are you doing? Like, why are you not, why are you not saving me? And I just remember thinking, this is, this is a new normal. Like this is not, this is, uh, my life is never going to be the same after this. Like this is, anxiety is going to be a battle and I, I have battled it, but it was a new battle. And it was something that even, even when the times when I'd had anxiety attacks in the past, it was before I, I even knew the Lord. I didn't know the Lord until I was 18. Okay. So have, after becoming saved, I was having less and less of those anxious moments. Well, now I'm having them while I, I know the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's way more difficult because now I'm thinking, you know, at the same time, I'm questioning God by the same token, it's increasing my faith because at least I have something to cling to. It's like the woman who's clinging on to the hem of Jesus garment. Like she just wants to touch a little, like she just gets a little, like even that face, she's like, if I just get a little, (laughs) you know, maybe, maybe he'll do something. And Mm -hmm. of course, you know, he does, but that was where I was. It was like, I I couldn't, uh, yeah, I just, nothing, nothing was making sense. Nothing, nothing was the way I thought it would be. And I can only imagine all of us, as we're sitting here listening to this, can relate to this in the season that we're all in with COVID and thinking, sure. this is our new normal. This is, you know, I'm happy to be able to talk about a mask. You know what I mean, like, and it feels weird. You know, you know how odd that is that our lives have changed so much where I'm thinking to myself in the back of my mind, I think, oh, I should have a mask on. And I, I don't, right. and I don't need one. But now like I think talking... when I have, do you see what I'm saying? Like, this is our new normal. This is our lives now. This is, we have to think consciously about where our masks are and when we have to put them on and when we take them off and who we're with and how socially distanced we are like this is our lives and this in the season that I was in it's particularly an anxiety that makes just make things worse (laughs) you know so it was just such a hard a hard time that that I was going through and I remember thinking when I was getting all these things thrown at me how important it was to not just quit to not just give up but I had to pivot and I, I didn't quite understand what the word meant, but all I could think about were kind of that analogy of the basketball player mm-hmm. who, you know, when he has all those, that opposing team coming at him, he literally like turns his body yes. and it's like this literal, like this oscillation where he turns to do something new. And I guess it would be similar to what we would do. Like if we're in sin, you know, we just repent and we turn. Um, but it was just, it was this literal oscillation. And I remember looking up the definition and it said, it's the central point or pin or shaft on which a mechanism turns or oscillates. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking mm-hmm. as leaders and as people, that's what we have to do as Christians. We have to learn how to pivot in these moments. This is our, this is from here on in. This is what we need to expect in mm-hmm. terms of being Christians. There is no more comfortable. There is yeah. no more God serving our needs when we want him 
like a genie in a bottle. This is, we're relying on God for everything now. Right. And this is going to be our lives from here on out, whether it's a vaccine or not, come next year, it doesn't matter. There's always going to be something new that God is doing in the lives of his people. And this is just, these are the birthing pains that he talks about in Revelation. This is oh, yeah. what we are to expect for those of us who believe and read the Bible. Um, you know, you think about the political candidates and how and we just went through a tough political season and how much they have to pivot. You know, every political candidate does this very well. They pivot from the actual question and they actually answer something different, you know, because they don't really want, they want to dodge the real points that they want to, they want to say because they want mm -hmm. your vote. Right. So that's, that's the art of our lives as Christians and as leaders is we have to pivot when things are not going the way we think they should or the way we expect or the way we uh, we, you know, idealize who God is. Mm -hmm. We have to learn how to turn, oscillate our lives and accept a new normal. Yeah. Well, I, first of all, I love the word oscillate. And I think I'm going to start using that in my leadership. We're oscillating here today, friends. Yeah. <laughs> but let's go back for a moment because I am so identifying with what you're saying about anxiety. I have the same exact story and it happened in my mid thirties. I'm not sure how old you are, Michelle, and I'm not asking you to tell the whole audience, but like, how old are you? Um, <laughs> but uh, in my mid thirties and um, I had not experienced anxiety before that it just came in like a wrecking ball and I remember picking up pictures of myself and crying and looking at her and saying where did she go where did my life go I had 16 lives I was busy I was going I was doing and I loved my life but I had discovered that I have childhood trauma and it was the trauma was saying yeah I know it's time for us for you to deal with us and we got to slow everything down here and I can just remember um also being on medication, having to see doctors and all those things. And at first they didn't treat it correctly. So then I got a medically induced depression that came and that was horrific. And so it was over a half a year of my life just lost, laying on the couch, losing weight, looked like a frail survivor of some horrid disease. Um, but man, the lessons that I learned, and I was a believer too, and I pressed into God so much, but that's when you discover, you know, we're body, soul, and spirit, and we're living these lives. We're having a human experience. Yes, I'm a, I'm a spirit being that lives in a body. I have to take care of this body. I have to figure out what's going on, and, and, and as a Christian, I was thinking, well, if I just prayed more, if I, if I had the devil cast out of me, maybe I got a demon, a, a spirit of anxiety, and all of those things, um, but I discovered, you know, that, listen, God is in, he's not the author of this. I don't believe that, but he's walking with me in it. And so I have a deep understanding of the season of trial and fire through anxiety. I'm so very thankful to learn that there are some skills and some tools that you can learn to, to begin to mitigate that anxiety. It does not have to rule our life, nor does it have to define us, and nor do you have to be ashamed of it. You know, if I have to take some medication, it's a biological, it's a biological reality that, that some of us have it. But um, that being said, so I, I, I can feel where you are, and I, and I acknowledge your courage and your bravery for showing up because, you know, in the world, you go through a panic attack or some anxiety, and when it, when it lifts, you're grateful for the sky, for the air, for that, that roll of fat that I was so upset about. It was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. That means I'm healthy. I got, you know, so life really comes into perspective and um, just like we grieved 
through anxiety where you say, this is my new normal. This is my life. I, I have to manage this. Um, not meaning that God don't, can't deliver completely and heal us. But for me, I've had to manage it now low these 30 years. Um, but, um, and I do, I do well. I'm medication. Thank you, God, for giving creativity to mankind to create such a thing. But um, we grieve what was, and there's a lot of people grieving right now, the loss of whatever it was for them, their job, the, a relationship, maybe, like you said, that anxiety negatively impact everything in your life. And so you've learned to oscillate. You've learned to pivot. Did you pivot? It was, it's a mindset, right? But it's also a focus, like, like that old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full yeah. in his face and everything else kind of talk to us more about, about pivot and um, the strength that you're finding in making that pivot. I think pivoting is to our advantage uh, as Christians, because I think we, we can't stay comfortable because we're constantly moving towards something new. Um, you think about, you know, Jesus saying, you know, look, I'm doing a new thing. And he's always doing something new, even though it doesn't look good right at the outset. Um, and so I know I will come out of the season and I'm still just healing from it. Um, but I think, I think what I've learned, number one, is, is, again, not to stay comfortable. I think we as Christians have stayed comfortable for a really long time. And that is certainly the contradiction to what scripture tells us about the disciples and all the things that they went through, yeah. uh, through their three years of being with Jesus. Not only that, but in establishing the Acts Church um, and then going forward to proclaim the gospel, how much persecution and trial and all the things that Jesus experienced here on earth, they were experiencing yes. uh, in full force. They didn't understand it when Jesus was there, but they understood it later. Yeah. Um, and they understood that that was the price. You know, all he asked them to do was to follow him. They never, he never once said, follow me and I'll give you luxury, follow me and I'll give you all the money you want, uh, follow me and I'll give you all the best relationships, follow me and I'll give X, Y, Z. It was follow me. That's your choice. Either you follow or you don't. And anybody who's reading the Bible, we seem so far removed, uh, at least I would say over the past decade, uh, in terms of what the Bible actually says that we'll go through and what we actually were experiencing. And now I think we're just starting to see a little bit of those birth pains of what what we are to expect you know we are to expect plague we are to expect uh you know persecution uh we are to expect trial we are to expect um standing up for something and no one listening we are to expect you know people hating us you know jesus said if if people hate you they hated me first yeah. This is a God we serve. The God who says they will hate you, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. in Luke 9, he sends these people out and he says, take nothing for the journey. Not, you're not going to take, you know, there's no comfort here. There's no provision. There's no, I will protect you and I will lead you, but you're going to go step by step. And all I ask for you to have is a, is a companion, someone to walk alongside of you in the journey. And I think as far as we are pivoting, we need to make sure we're in within a community of a body of believers that will help us to do that to pivot. And I, you know, I always encourage everybody, um, you know, to understand my story is to know, I mean, life has been far from uh, comfortable. Um, it's actually just the uh, 22nd anniversary of, um, of me being thrown out of my house for being a Christian. Um, oh. My parents found out I was raised Catholic and um, they found out that I had 
kind of became born again and they were, they were livid and they wanted me to convert back. And I said, no. And so they literally threw me out of my house and disowned me. And so that actually happened the, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So in, wow. in, on top of this tough season I've been a part of, it's coming up on the 22nd anniversary of that. And so I realized that there is some, you know, uh, grieving and things I still need to do in terms of that. Mm-hmm. But it, it just mm-hmm. reminds me of that's the price that I pay. Yeah, you don't hear that story very often in Western, the Western world of people being persecuted to that degree of their faith. So, so truly, so you're on your own at 18 years old, you're out there fending for yourself. Yep, yep. 20 years old on my own. Um, I, my boyfriend is not my husband at the time, my, my dad threw out my stuff on his driveway and said, this is obviously your, your family now and you can go live with them. And so I lived with, I didn't live with him, but I lived with a family, a very small church that I was a part of, heard of my story. They were cell church. They were very close body believers and they heard my story. And there was a family who said, we've been praying for you and we think you can come live with us. And so I lived with them for about two and a half years until I got married. And so they were, they really provided for me um, you know, stability and a home and a car. I was able to finish college. I was in college at the time. I didn't know how I was going to finish. And there was just so much that the, that the church was able to be for me. They were really my family at the time and still are. And yeah. I think that's why I stand up for them so much is because you don't have to be blood to be family. Yes. And I learned that hard lesson a long time ago. That did you, you, have to did stand you ever up. restore with your parents? Um, my mother has passed away. And okay. uh, my dad, um, we do, we always had a good relationship until that, that really strained us. Um, and we do talk, um, he is for all intents and purposes, not a believer. So it's, there's always going to be that difficulty now yeah. that being a pastor's wife, there's just things he yeah. won't understand, but we, we do talk, we talk often. We have a very good relationship that way. Um, it's not, we'll never be deep, but it'll never be the way it was when I was a kid. But at the same time. Um, you know, I don't think I need that type of relationship in my life now as an adult. Um, but I do think that uh, we do have a good relationship and I do have a sibling. Um, and we're a bit strange, but, uh, uh, but other than that, yeah, my mom and my mom and I, we tried to bury the hatchet as best as we could uh, before she passed. Um, and like I said, my dad and I, we talk uh, quite often. So. Yeah. so you're not a stranger to pain. You're not yeah. a stranger to no. this need for turning and pivoting and basically choosing your mindset, choosing your attitude, like life is going to happen. I can be a victim of it or I can choose to be an overcomer. I can focus on the things that will destroy and bring pain to me and and I can ruminate on what's wrong or I can choose maybe even gratitude and say, let me be thankful. Um, You know something about gratitude. You've written on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, I wrote a book, a children's book called The Best Gift of All. And uh, it's about contentment and gratitude. Um, and I kind of based it loosely on um, one Christmas that I had with my, my kids. And you know how kids are. Like they have their mindset. They had this one thing that they wanted it for Christmas. And my daughter wanted this video camera. It was a, a kind of a cheap little video camera. She wanted it so badly. And so we, we tricked her and we put it inside the, the tree all the way in the back. So she'd open up her gifts and there was no video camera. Well, she's over there pouting. Like she's so upset. I can't believe I didn't get this thing that I wanted. Everything else, all these great other gifts off to the wayside because she wanted this one thing. And so then of course we said, oh, you know, what's in the tree? You know, we, and we let her go in and pick it and she, you know, screams and she's so happy that she got this one that she wanted. And so then the book is based basically on that. And the character is about uh, a little girl named Paige. 
and she all she wants is this one doll for Christmas. That's all she wants. And so she gets all these other gifts and she does she gets the doll and it's so great to her because it's so beautiful and perfect and wonderful and um the mom um who has made her another doll from her from scratch from her hands the, of course the kid's not appreciative of it and so the mom's upset and so the daughter doesn't understand why why does mom not like this doll it's so beautiful and perfect and why doesn't she like this one the best so they go to a homeless shelter and they are, are feeding and they're helping to serve and they see a little girl and all she has is this raggedy teddy bear, dirty, stained, one ear is off, and she doesn't understand. She talks to this little girl. And she does not understand why this little girl loves this teddy bear. It doesn't look pretty. doesn't smell pretty. Um, but she knew it was, it was the one precious thing that she had. Her mother had given it to her. It was given from the heart. She just loved it. And so Paige learns this lesson that some of the best gifts come from the heart. They're not the prettiest things in packages and bows, but they are, they're ones given with love. So she asked mom, she says, mom, help, you know, help, can we help this little girl, um, you know, repair this ear? And so her mom, uh, Paige's mom and her uh, make an ear. And so they bring it back to the uh, homeless shelter and they give it and they are able to sew it back on. And the, the little girl's teddy bear is restored. And so the girl learns less than that. Again, it's not the things that are pretty and perfect and in the perfect box, but it's the things that come from the heart, even if they're sturdy or stained or don't look pretty in the eyes of everyone else, in God's eyes, they're precious. Mm -hmm. And so um, I wanted to, to teach that to, to children to say in the world that we're living in, uh, where it, we can tend to, you know, kind of not appreciate the things that God has given us, you know, the best things that we have are ones that come from the heart. And it's not always about the money. It's not always about the possessions. It's about, um, you know, giving gifts from the heart. And so that was what I wanted to to share with, um, you know, with my audience and with but readers. It's a fabulous lesson. And so many of us still need to learn that lesson because we still think that, and, and not just material things, but we still think that a perfect life is what's a best life. The everything going our way is the best life. And in reality, sometimes the things that we value the most in the life in our life are the things that we've worked really hard for or the things that came out of the fire the qualities or the skills or the person that you are today it's the it's what came out of not a perfect life it's came what came out of the battle what came out of the struggle those are the things we value um and so this is a great message that that you're sharing you're starting with the littles but you're sharing it with uh women too and and men but that's your message how to pivot when life doesn't go the way you planned yep and uh thank you for writing i think i believe your book won an award too did it not it did yep 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 it won third place for the golden school awards for, oh. uh, the Advanced writers and speakers association so yeah so yeah I, just appreciate being a part of them and um, just the sisterhood that uh, um, all the ladies that I've met there over the past five years have just been so amazing to me um, and just been so welcoming. So I just, I just love them. I can't say enough good about that. Uh, yeah. And for what she's done for writers and speakers around the world. That's awesome. Um, I think I saw too that you were on um, Amazon on the new release. You were, had hit the number one yes, spot. I did. So yep. congratulations. Thank That's you. Great. Yeah. That's great. So what would be um, some encouragement as we kind of wrap up our time together? Um, two things. I want to know what the greatest lesson is that you've learned from this recent fire. Well, you're still kind of in it. So maybe that. And then what would you say to someone who's also in a fire like you are in some kind of way? 
I think a few things I would suggest for people who are in kind of in this trial season, um, I think first of all is to pray. And I, I know that sounds very simplistic and kind of like a no brainer, but at the same time, I think your prayer life will change like never before uh, when you're on your knees and in the midst of the fire. And um, so I know for me, I've never prayed more and I've never listened more. Yeah. Um, and I've never been more connected to God's word and, and asking God to show me what he was trying to say to me directly through his word. Um, and I think that's, as a writer, that's something when I started writing the nonfiction books that I've written, um, it made me probably the most important lesson I learned was it made me fall in love with scripture all over again, because it wasn't just something to check off a to do list, but it was something, it was like a love letter. Like he was speaking to me directly. Um, and I think that's what God wants for us when we're reading the word is this is my heart for you. This isn't just a set of do's and don'ts. We'll do this. Don't do this. That's, that's legalism. That's, that's religiosity. That's not God's life or desire for us. Um, and so I, for me, that has been, um, pretty pivotal, uh, when I think about how to pivot is to pray and just take that time to seek God being silent, which is really hard, um, being alone, uh, but just being, taking the time to listen to him, um, you know, seek help when you can. Um, if you are in the body of believers, reach out and ask someone, you know, they may have so many people who really do want to help, maybe perhaps a mentor or someone who's been through that tough season that can help you or someone who isn't. Just support, peer support that can help you. And I think about um, when Moses' hands grew tired and uh, he needed people to help him hold them up when he was in the midst of the battle. And he had um, uh, her, Aaron and her that lifted up his hands. And uh, we all need someone to lift up our hands, especially when we're weary. And that's the weariness is when we want to put them down and we need someone to help us even more so during that trial. So asking people for peer support to help hold your hands up, I think is, would be amazing. Um, and then I think I'm just writing a new project now called I Surrender All, sort of. And it's about the things, you know, we sing the hymn, I Surrender All, and that's all great. And then we leave for the other six days a week and we're holding on to all this stuff and we don't want to let it go. And God asks us just to release it to him. And so I'm writing about all the things in my life and probably in a reader's life that they want to hold on to that they can't because it's all God's anyway. Um, and so I would just say to, to surrender. And I think one of the, the verses um, that God has spoken to me about is Exodus and uh, Exodus 14, where he talks about, do not be afraid uh, to stand firm. You'll see the deliverance that I'll do for you. He said, the Lord will fight for you, but you only need to be still. And it's so counterintuitive because they had all the weapons in front of them, but he's actually asking them to lay them down and not allow and allow God to do the fighting rather than us. And so quickly we are to wield our swords and our shields because oh, yeah. we want to fight for our own battles. And God's saying, no, I want to fight for you. Mm. And that is something I have seen unequivocally throughout this whole tough season that I've come out of. I am so, I'm very type A and I want to jump in and I'm proactive. And it's like, oh, I got to, you know, I want to do this thing. And I can't. And God is saying, you just stay back. Mm -hmm. And I have never been more silent and I've never seen God work more on my behalf. From all this right. and so that has been a really really comforting passage of scripture for me during this time is the lord will fight for you but you yes. only need to be still and yes. it's when we learn to be still is when we see god work in these incredibly miraculous ways that we just never there's there are things that have come out of my trial that i just never thought this side of heaven i would ever see mm -hmm. and uh, i'm I, he just has shown me time and time again he is who he says he is he is real and he knows every part of that situation and he's willing to turn it to for his good 
Yes, so important to learn and what a valuable lesson like now just what you described all that wisdom that you have because God allowed you to go through a fire he could have he could have said no that's not going to touch her and I, there's a lot of things we probably escape that we don't know until we get to heaven yeah. find out what God kept from us but there are things where he says I'm going to I'm going to allow that into her life because Look at the wisdom, look at the beauty that's come from it, look at uh, the ability to counsel or speak on that mm -hmm. and share that with other people. So important. And I want to encourage you as a sister that um, having dealt with massive, vicious anxiety at one time or many times in my life, that um, you know, you will the sweetness of suffering and the anointing that you get through it you don't get it any other way yes. and it's not fun when you're in it but you can look back and say I'm glad that I had it but I don't want to mm -hmm. do it again yeah <laughs> but, I'm, but but thank yeah, you God yes so thank you God just don't do it again thank thank, but yes don't, don't misunderstand me Lord yeah. I don't want to do it again right. yeah so you you're doing you're doing tremendous and you know when for anyone who's anxiety anxiety a types typically are the ones that will struggle with this but giving yourself permission to rest and not have to produce i like producing i like having something to show for something i like working in at the end of the day seeing something you know wow that that was created but um but it's okay be still and know so any um so thank you for being with us any last words as we as we uh let you go today this has been great to have you where can people um find you um you can book? find me yeah uh find me on my website michellewiserve.com um of course amazon just google the name and um yeah i'm on austin's website i write for leading hearts uh website for leadership so you can always find me there and uh, i look forward to connecting with with uh, anyone who's listening. That's wonderful. And hey, by the way, for those of you who are watching and listening, we will have all of these details in the show notes for you. Again, my guest today, Michelle Lazurek, a beautiful woman of God learning how to pivot. And I have a question for you all, you who are listening and watching Modern Day Esther. Is this your moment to arise? I hope you enjoyed the show today. If you found value, make sure that you visit ariseester.captivate.fm. Like us, love us, and review us. And hey, want to join the movement? Visit us on thearisemovement.com to get connected. And for more information about me, your freedom coach and host, visit freedomgirlsisterhood.com. Com. And while you're there, take the 60-Day Freedom Challenge. You'll be so glad you did. Until we meet again, keep rising. This is your moment.